0: Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and I'm bringing to you part four of a nine-part Lenten series entitled Drink from the uh, Fountain of Grace, with today's message specifically entitled The Cup You Choose, based off of Psalm 16. So, let us dive into the word today. Protect me, O God. For in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my God, I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, you hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol, or let your faithful one see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Every day we have the opportunity to follow Jesus. There is a a movie I must reference if we're going to be talking about different cups and whatnot, which we have been throughout this entire series, and I would be very shocked if most have not heard or seen of this one, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, starring Harrison Ford and the late, great Sean Connery. In that film, Indy, played by Harrison Ford, is racing against the clock to beat out Nazis and finding the elusive yet powerful Holy Grail. Now, As Christians, we all know what the Holy Grail is, however, in case there are those not familiar with Arthurian legend or the Knights Templar or even the Dan Brown novel The Da Vinci Code, the Holy Grail is a a relic long sought after and fantasized by Christians. It is the cup from which Jesus and the disciples drank from during the Last Supper, where the first Holy Eucharist or Holy Communion took place. In the film, the legend has it that anyone who drinks from the cup of Christ shall inherit eternal life, and the Nazis, of course, are looking to drink from it to become gods, to become all-powerful gods who can rule the world. As it turns out, Indy's dad, played by Sean Connery, had spent his whole life in search of this elusive treasure with the hopes of putting it in a museum where it could be cherished by the faithful uh, and historians alike. As such, Henry Jones, Indy's dad, ends up getting kidnapped, which sucks Indy into the quest to find his dad and the grail. Now, for any of us who remember this film we definitely remember the ending of the film and this can be a spoiler alert because this came out in like the late 80s early 90s so like if you didn't see this by now you're probably never going to uh but i would recommend it it's a great film uh anyway toward the end of the film the opportunity to claim the grail presents itself and to make a long story short henry jones gets shot and Indy has to go ahead to get the grail, fill it with water, and save his dad's life. And, of course, the Nazis follow him, avoiding the booby traps Indy was able to figure out. Not very easy to get to this, to this uh, little uh, chamber. When they get to the chamber, they find a living but centuries-old knight templar who had been, has been guarding the grail. And the bad guy, Donovan, who's one of the Nazis, demands that he hand the grail over. And the knight tells him to choose wisely. He, he, you know, it's not for him to hand the grail over, but there's a whole bunch of cups surrounding this entire chamber. And he's told to choose wisely because the wrong cup will bring eternal death. So Donovan, confused, he's like, I, I, I know his story and I wouldn't know what it looks like. Uh, Donovan... Uh, Donovan's assistant asked to be the one to choose for him since he was confused and 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 unsure and she picks out a glorious golden chalice fit for a Eucharistic mass which turns out to be the wrong cup and following drinking from from it he ages to the point of of there being nothing left of Donovan but bones and dust I mean it's quite a horrific sight and the knight declared that, he chose poorly. That is when Indy realized that Jesus of Nazareth was a simple, poor carpenter. He would not have drank out of a cup of kings or a cup of, of even like well-to-do priests or bishops in the in the, in the, the age of Christianity. This is, this is pre-Christianity. This is the start of Christianity with Jesus. And, and he wouldn't have drank out of a cup of kings, but a simple earthenware cup fit for a carpenter. A simple earthenware cup of first-century Palestine would be the only cup that would possibly do. And when he found the cup and drank from it, the knight told him that he chose wisely. In the end, Donovan, the Nazi, was after power and glory, and so was his assistant, and that's why she picked the most glorious, most beautiful, ornate cup that... That, that she could possibly find. But the reality is that that power and that glory only belongs to Christ. And Indy, on the other hand, was there, to, he wasn't there for power and glory. He was there to save his father's life, to humbly seek the help of Christ. And his humility helped him rediscover his faith and also gave him sound judgment to choose the simplicity of Christ over the pomp and grandeur of the world. Now, we all have a choice in who or what we follow in life. To live a Christian life involves choosing to follow Jesus. And for some of us, that, that choice is easy. For others, it, it's hard. The first time we made that choice, we may have it may have been long ago or it could have been just recently. Or maybe we're considering this choice and wondering what it means, involves, or asks of us right now. This psalm, Itself, Psalm 16, was traditionally attributed to David. And the psalmist, David or not, is wholly devoted to Yahweh, the God of Israel. And we can see that there is a division among the people of Israel, where some are choosing other gods over Yahweh, the one true God of Israel, while others, such as this psalmist, have chosen God. Yet there seems there's seeming pressure to follow suit with others to choose the false gods. And as such, given the intertextual evidence that this person was being tempted to maintain the status quo of polytheism, some scholars believe that Psalm 16 could have actually been written by a Canaanite convert to Judaism, someone who was already living in the land before the Israelites came, where God led the Israelites. Uh, and uh, where God led the Israelites to and, and who chose to follow this person must have chose to follow the God of Israel when they entered the land even though doing so would have been a departure from their background and culture for some people their upbringing culture and background such as David's may make choosing God a sort of default option whereas for others it may be that choosing God may involve a choice for something new and, and different Regardless, we all have the option to choose the quote-unquote gods we've made. For example, gods of vanity, pride, uh, self-abnegation, consumerism, politics, etc. Or God is... Or God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, we can we can choose to follow the gods we've made, or we can choose to follow God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The God who created the entire cosmos, who has called us into eternal life in God's kingdom. The psalmist speaks, out, speaks of choosing God using the image of a cup verse in verse 5, by contrast with those who choose another God in verse 4. And the cup... Here is a way of describing what a person's life is going to be like or their lot in life. In some places, this involves punishment or suffering, and in others, blessing and salvation. For example, in, in Psalm 11, verse 6, it says, He will rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked, punishing them with scorching winds. And in Isaiah chapter 50, uh, 51, uh, verse seventeen, you hear, "Wake up, wake up, O Jerusalem! You have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of the terror of terror, tipping out of its last drops." Verses Psalm twenty-three, verse five, "You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings." And here in Psalm sixteen, verses five through six. When the psalmist says, the Lord is my chosen cup. The psalmist is not co- claiming the power to control what happens to him or her. Rather, the psalmist is choosing to follow God and confessing, confessing trust that in doing so, God will protect and take care of them in their lives. Think about how powerful that is. And we can think of this as being positioned to receive God's grace. We do not earn grace, but in turning away from false gods and turning toward God, we are now in a position and posture to receive what God offers. With our back to God, we're not. Even our ability to choose to turn toward God is made possible by grace. In Wesleyan theology, we call this prevenient grace, the grace that goes out before us, or preventing grace, the grace that prevents us from falling into our sin because God is right there front and center and gives us the choice. Now, we can choose to fall into our sin, but if we open ourselves up to God's preventing grace, we will not. Hence the name preventing. Choosing God is not a human achievement. It is a response to the gift and promises of God, and so I want to quickly—I want us to quickly look at Deuteronomy chapter thirty, verses fifteen through twenty, and in it it says, "Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep His commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in His ways. If you do this." you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Today's psalm could be read as a response to God's command from a new Canaanite convert, or it could be the reflective words of a king wholly devoted to worshipping Israel's one true God. In fact, whether intentional or not, this psalm is a response to God. A response in the affirmative, an affirmation and desire to remain positioned or attuned to God. The psalmist even describes what being positioned or attuned to God looks like for him or her. Confessing faith and trust trust in God in verses 2, 5, 10, and 11. And looking for God, uh, looking to God for instruction and help via prayer, scripture, community, in verses one, seven, and eleven, and of course praising, rejoicing, and gratitude in verses six through eleven. How can we position ourselves to be shaped into the vessels we were created to be? How can we choose living water and share it? Well, whether you've inherited the faith, like. David, or you're a new convert to God through Jesus Christ, how have you chosen to follow the living Jesus? How do you choose this each day? How do you get to know God? Through reading daily scripture. How do you worship through praise and thanksgiving? How do you serve God through mission and ministry? How do you witness your faith to others, bring them to Jesus, and lead them to the larger body of Christ, a.k.a. your church congregation? As a church, how do we make sure that it is Jesus who is front and center of our worship? We need to have courage and step up to serve and lead. We need to avoid worshiping false gods such as power, greed, gossip, bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness. We need to let go of our golden calves, traditions that keep us locked in the past rather than keeping us faithful to Christ's call and direction. Traditions that make us feel too comfortable, but block effective witness, inclusion, mission, and ministry. Together, we can not only continue what we have been doing, feeding the hungry, being present for the lonely, visiting the sick and imprisoned, clothing the naked, housing the homeless, all things, this church, and I'm sure if you're not a part of my church and are a part of another church, all these things that the church, you know, Catholic has been doing throughout its long history. And we can expand and progress from where we are to where God is calling us to be as we go on from this week. As we go on from this week, I, I invite you to reflect on what it is God is calling you to do. Again, as we go on from this week, I invite you to reflect on what God is calling you to do. What ways in which you can serve, what ways are there in which you can serve in your personal lives as well as in the context of the church? Together let us like this psalmist witness to the god above all other gods the king of kings and the lord of lords jesus christ our savior amen amen let us pray gracious and loving god we just thank you for this opportunity to uh, be here uh, to to be uh, challenged by you as well as inspired by you lord it is in you that we find our true selves and our true life. Help us to live into your power, your glory, and your majesty, but to do so in humility, in spirit, and in truth. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I would like to thank you again for tuning in and uh, you know, checking out this message as you do every week. Uh, it is my pleasure to bring you these messages. You know, uh, I always look forward to uh, how God speaks to me through the scriptures and and through the message as well as how God speaks to you. And um, I hope you are getting something out of it. With that said, check out the episode notes. In there, you will find a link to Tidly and a link to PayPal. And if you are getting this as your main spiritual sustenance and would like to consider you know, giving to First United Methodist Church of Newton to help with its uh, mission and ministry, we'd be glad for you to do that. Of course, if you attend another church, and, uh, and this is just supplemental, then by all means give to that church as well. And if you have it in you to give to both of us, neither of us would, would complain whatsoever. But remember, friends, and it's important to remember this, you are richly blessed so that you may be a blessing to others. Remember that and go in peace. Amen.